welcome to The Knowing Podcast. We're here to talk about healing, about insight, about cultivating and living from our own internal wisdom, and about the intention to live beautifully and compassionately as a human being during these times. We're really happy you're here. All right. Hi, Allison. Hello. I'm going to say hi to you first. You're like, what is going on here? This is how we're, we're starting this new season yes. with total confusion. What is happening? We've forgotten everything. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have an actually, intro anymore. Yeah. God, what is my name again? Shit. Uh, <laughs> welcome to The Knowing. This is The Knowing. And this is season two. We have um, we've taken some time off, a little bit longer than expected. Um I suppose things got a little busy and chaotic as as they are apt to do uh, around this time of year, but also just because of life. But um, I am super happy to be back here. I'm really happy to be back here with you, Allison. Same. It was it was both a much needed break because things yeah. were so busy, and now it's like ah, it feels like yes, ready, ready for whatever's mm-hmm. next. I mean, I say that now. <laughs> <laughs> Sometime, yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but you know, this is this is uh, as we talked about in the last episode of last season. You know, the intentions and the sort of purposes, I suppose, if we can frame it that way, of this season of of what we're going to be doing over the next twelve weeks um, is to to really offer the as much support. As much um, guidance, I suppose, and and encouragement in all of us uh, to borrow from, you know, the terms of, of many indigenous lineages, for all of us to cultivate and strengthen our our medicine bags, the the places in us where we draw strength, where we find our center and our solidity, where we return to our center. And um, whatever allows us to navigate hard times, because um, this is a hard time. Like, holy shit. It's, uh, it mm-hmm. is smoky where we are right now because of the fires in Oregon. Wow. Like, I woke up this up morning. There. Yeah. And I'm sitting, I had a sauna, and I came out, and the sky is, like, yellow because of the fires. We don't have a fire in all of BC. And, yeah, it's, I mean, the, my heart is, is out going out to everyone out in California and I mean everyone everywhere but like it's big times it's so intense yeah, it is scary how's it felt there yeah um New York is a weird bubble where it's like I think that because it feels like we had so much intensity early on we've either tapped mm. out a little bit on the intensity or um we're just like in a bubble the, the numbers of the of COVID have lowered and everyone's kind of like getting outside as much as possible. Um, Things are kind of opening up again. So in a weird way, it feels like we're in a reverse bubble now where it's kind of like, it feels bizarrely okay here. Um, But I also think that maybe you just get, I don't know, too tired to care. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, but it also, you know, we don't, we don't sustain Generally, you know, levels of intensity, like extreme intensity as we go, 
to frame, you know, this, what I'd referenced before, this vortex, but what I'd also call this initiatory process that we're all moving through as a collective right now. Generally, you know, the energy, the waves of energy that we move through are not consistent. They're not going to stay, you know, super, super hard all the time. There's certainly kind of peak intensities where, I mean, certainly we want to get away from the intense energy and maybe it does stay longer than, uh, well, never longer than necessary, but maybe longer than we want. But we take breaks or we get breaks, you know, in these moments where it's like we're coming up to the surface and taking some air and recalibrating, you know, what it is that we're doing and how we're responding and stuff. So it's good to hear that you guys are having, you know, some space. I Certainly it's it's felt like that a lot of the time up here um, because, you know, I think we've had three confirmed COVID cases in my whole area, you know, Mm. so life has been pretty easy and and fairly reasonably normal, you know, in the last while. Um, But it is just the intensity of like summer and and life and everything else, you know, not, not anything too, too crazy right now, but it's, it, it's not, I mean, you and I have had this conversation, Allison, and, and I never want to be some sort of like doomsday person, and maybe we'll, we'll go into doomsday in a moment and how I see it, but um, it's not going to be getting better, and I use the word better sort of in quotations here, in any you know short order of time. Like, this is a, a serious reckoning that we are moving through, and we're going to be moving through it for quite a while, I think. You know, we are facing the... The realities, uh, the the creations of our value systems and the way that we have operated as a collective, as a species on the planet, you know, and there's a lot of shit to unpack here, you know, and, and go, oh, yeah. my God, like, we've made this. Whoa, we made this. Oh, my God, you know, and it's, it, it's, it really is rather reminiscent for me of, like, being 26 when I actually kind of got sober and looked at my life and I was like, oh, shit, what have I done, you know? Yeah. And I, I think we're kind of doing that as a species right now. So it's yeah. it's going to be a process. Well, and can I also clarify that I don't mean we're too tired to care about anything that's going <laughs> no, on in the world? No, 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 I ne- so that, didn't hear that at all. Okay. No. <laughs> it's like I was being flippant, no. but it's like, you know, you do get fatigued of all the everything oh, constantly. 100%, you know? you know, like you think about how much um, we are, how, how much consideration and attention we are always being asked to offer to people on the other side of the world, you know, and people in other countries and people whose cultures we really don't really understand or have any sort of firsthand experience with a lot of the time. And I mean, human beings are barely out of, you know, living in groups of 60 to 80 people, you know, max. Like that was mm. that was pretty normal for us for 250,000 years, you know, and now it's like, hey, you should be concerned about people in, in Turkey, you know, and what's happening in Beirut and stuff. And I mean, of course we are. And I think some part of that, a big part of that is really beautiful because it is calling us into the heart space. And this is the initiation that we are in that we will be in for a while is this movement from, you know, our, our what we associate with the third chakra, power domination, struggles, competition, comparison, you know, the the sort of desire to affirm and solidify the self, the ego, you know, and and when we can transcend that and move through it and initiate ourselves into the next kind of energetic space, it is the heart, you know, and it's it's caring deeply for ourselves, for each other, for the earth. And and I, I know that this is what we're doing. Um, 
I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast before, Allison. Maybe I did reference it. The first shaman that I ever met, he, you know, he said to me, don't worry about this crazy process we're going through because you know what? We've done this like 77,000 times and we've failed 77,000 times because it is very difficult. And when he said we, he meant, I think, consciousness and the energy of consciousness. It is very difficult to move out of the third chakra into the heart space. It's it's extreme, extremely difficult for us to shift the values and the beliefs that we have lived with for so long to actually come back into union and and communion with the natural world and each other and and the whole system you know it it takes a lot of faith and a lot of practice so that is really what we're going to be doing over the next 12 weeks is saying what do you need to do that what's required in terms of your tools your medicine the maybe belief structures and perspectives necessary to actually be able to even entertain the experience of abiding in the heart center um, and then be able to live it. And and what do we need to let go of? You know, because with every initiation process, there is always sacrifice. And we think of sacrifice as this ultimately horrible thing, you know, this like nasty, I don't want to give these things up. But um, in our culture where we... We don't pay attention to death. We we want to pretend that death is not here. We we are a very death averse, death denying culture a lot of the time. And as a result of that, we don't let go of things very well. Because when we let go right. of something, it is a death of that thing, the death of the old you, death of a belief system. Like we let we let ourselves transform, you know, and, and that requires sacrificing what is no longer working, right? And that's that's a big part of this process is us looking at and unpacking our our stuff and going, what do we give up? What do you offer to the flames, you know, to be alchemized and transformed into something else? So Mm. Really getting right into it here, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Jump right in. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do wonder, I mean, death is, of course, something that we are, you know, we tend to have a lot of fear around, but I do wonder if it's death that we're afraid of or it's the liminal space between the death and what's next. Because I think it's mm. not just about like losing the thing. It's about mm-hmm. like, uh, well, what will I do after I lost the thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is the the void, right? It's this space, the liminal space, exactly, but this space of, uh, I am not yet what I am becoming, but I am no longer what I was. And that is terrifying to the structures of the ego, of course. You know, it it wants certainty. It doesn't care whether that certainty is the, the shittiest story you could possibly imagine about what a piece <laughs> of dirt you are. You know, it wants to hold on to what it knows. It wants to feel like it has some some grip on what's happening, right? And I mean, this this is, again, we talked about this in the first season, you know, of, of this leap into the unknown. If we want to heal as human beings, we have to go into the void. It is required. We have to go on, you know, what Joseph Campbell called this, this hero's mythology, the hero's journey, um, this this motif that repeats itself throughout history. And it is the the story that we all love, you know, of like somebody going off into the great unknown to, to find themselves, right? And that's what we have to do here. That's what we're being called to do. We are being forced to do it. In fact, it, it's no longer an option. It's not like, hey, maybe maybe you want to try this out. Like the world <laughs> is saying, all right, people, we're tired of the shit. Like you guys need to 
look at yourselves here and and transform, you know, and and alchemize whatever, you know, muck of the past is here into understanding and empathy and compassion and connection and everything else that is is, you know, connected to the heart space. And so, yeah, we do go into the great unknown and it's it's like floating. All of a sudden there's no ground beneath your feet, you know, and I don't remember if I used this quote before, uh, but it's one of my favorite from Chogyan Champa. And he says, you know, the craziest, most horrible thing is you are falling through the sky and you don't have a parachute, you know, but the most beautiful thing is that there's no ground. You can actually let go. And we learn that when we go into the void is that um, I, I often, when I'm with people in the void, I, I think of Alice in Wonderland when she's falling through the hole, you know, when she's first yeah. going. And at first she's like scrambling and trying to hold onto the walls and going, oh my God, like I need something solid, something certain. And then she lets go and she realizes that there's there's no walls, there's no ground, there's no up, there's no down. She's just floating, you know? And right. and that actually is is a place of immense peace and and beauty for us if we are brave enough to take the leap, right? And we're we're gonna take the leap. This is what we're all doing. You ready to take the leap, Allison? I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Not to put you on the spot or anything here, but no, we'll, we'll get there. Um, we're getting there. We're getting there. Uh-huh. We're working towards it. I totally. I am curious, kind of, and maybe it's like so hard, too hard to discern where exactly we're it in, where we're at while we're in it. But it's like you know, mm. everyone has been looking at 2020 and being like, oh, these are such uncertain times, and there's so much uncertainty, mm-hmm. which is is true, although I think that the interesting part is that I don't know that there's any uh, more uncertainty that there than there always is. There's just, right. it's not as uncomfortable of uncertainty, um, or as visible, I guess. But it's like, do you think that free fall is chaos, or is that something different? Well, I think that chaos you know, is seen as, if we see it as like a, who said that, that, you know, chaos is the birthplace of the dancing star. It might have been young, but like that chaos, when we are trying to hold on to what was happening before, I think that's that's what we would more stereotypically think of, you know, or experience as chaos, where there's this floundering sort of like, everything is is falling apart, but I want to try to hold these pieces together, right? That can really feel like chaos. Um, and then the, the experience, certainly, I, I suppose, on a personal level, when I've had the experience of being in the void and truly letting go, it doesn't feel like chaos. It actually feels mm. like the most intense it is the most intense stillness i think a human can experience you know where we you're no longer saying okay i need to orient myself in relationship to you know these people or this situation like you're just you're you're there you're you're sitting and you're no longer trying to conceptualize yourself of yourself in in space if that makes sense you know and and it doesn't feel mm-hmm. chaotic chaos though you know when when if we we're say to look at polarity theory and, and and polarity in the world, right? This intensification of poles. Chaos happens when the poles kind of fall apart, you know, or, or they that you no longer can maintain the tension of these op- the opposing energies, right? And that we've seen in our world in the last maybe 20 years is this intensification of polarization and polarized thinking and polarized action and polarized politics, you name it, polarization is happening everywhere. And that chaos, I mean, you and I have talked about this before, that 
it, that chaos is, yes, bound to happen. Um, I don't think that we have to be right in the middle of it if we don't want to be, you know, and, and certainly if we are focusing on um, assessing and attending to our own polarization, then it's likely we won't end up right in the middle of that chaos, but that will be chaos, you know. I mean, we don't often... It, we don't let go of systems without some sort of struggle, right? We, we're, it's, it's said that the energies, or the, the lessons that are learned through the energies of the first three chakras, so your, your first chakra being associated with safety and, and security and, you know, sort of your, your sense of self in the world, your second chakra with more your emotions and creativity, sexual center and everything else. These lessons are often learned in pain. We don't learn them unless we are in so much pain that we have to, basically. We will hold on to these old ways of being until the, the, the ways actually crumble out from underneath us. And yes, that does feel like chaos, right? When we surrender to that, it doesn't actually feel like chaos, even though there's crumbling happening. I know that seems counter or paradoxical, but it, as an experience, it, it tends to be very true for people that once they actually say, okay, I'm letting go, I am sacrificing this, then it becomes a meaningful process, right? The higher chakras, though, from the heart and beyond, we learn our lessons through following our bliss, you know, and, and moving towards joy and being in service, you know, and, and we don't, not to suggest that life is free of calamity or disease or anything else, but we've made peace with that as, you know, a first noble truth that like life is going to have pain. We're no longer struggling against that. We have matured our psyche to like realize that that's just the way that life is here. And we no longer have to learn our lessons through pain and we can learn through moving towards that which which opens our heart space even wider. Does that make sense? Mm. It does. I just feel like the that biggest gap is the leap from the two lower chakras oh. to the heart. Absolutely. It's huge. I mean, I actually feel like it's, that this pandemic has been like, okay, you don't know if you're, a lot of people lost their work. You don't know if you're going to have work. Um, yeah. It was so much survival mode, especially mm -hmm. when this first came. And also that it's just mm -hmm. like, am I going to get this terrible illness? Mm -hmm. It's going to kill me and, and all this stuff. Totally. Um, into that yeah, kind of, it, you know. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to interrupt, oh, just, but go ahead. I was going to say that it's like, and then it goes from into that survival into like, okay, what, I mean, how, how can I be creative in this situation? And maybe I'm thinking of that mm -hmm. from a personal standpoint where it's like my work has a lot to do with creative creativity, but it's like this kind of like sensual pleasure and, and what do I need? Because it's like masking something else and what is actually pleasurable into what right. it feels like we're moving to now with like the election and and how we're kind of looking at celebrity and all of that mm -hmm. into this whole like how am I important in the world um mm -hmm. Which that is, you know, young, and I can't remember exactly how this went. He he would articulate, he articulated these four archetypal phases that we would go through in in our lifetimes, you know, hopefully as as human beings, as we sort of evolve um, and become more aligned. The first one I think was like a, 
like sportsman or athlete or something like so you're really concerned with you know the physical body and and I mean this is associated with you know the early stages biologically of being a human of like reproduction and everything else and how attractive we are and physical and stuff and we're really we're really uh, aligned with or connected to you know the sense of like pushing ourselves in a physical third dimensional way the second phase, um, which I, I apologize for not remembering all of the phases, but it's associated with um, competition, you know, and saying, okay, what am I going to get in the world? You know, how do I prove myself? How do I get attention? How do I, you know, make my place in the world, right? And these are necessary phases. We, we do not need to demonize them. It's just that that phase, many people associate with the third chakra. You know, it's this sense of like, okay, the world needs to give me something, right? And show me that I'm valuable right. and, and, and needs to affirm my worth, right? And at some point, you know, we transition out of that into this phase, which he called the statesman. And the statesman says, how do I help? How am I going to be of benefit in the world? And, you know, when people look at the fourth stage, sorry, I'll just finish that so that I don't leave everyone hanging, um, is moving into spirit and just saying, I am, you know, I don't need to do anything anymore. I'm just, I'm connected and united with this entire system. But right. the thing I think that we often um, has, what has been misinterpreted from Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Are you familiar with that, Alison, this sort of pyramid yes. that people create? Yeah. So on the bottom part is like, you know, basically first shocker concerns, like do I have food, security, shelter, water, blah, blah, blah. You know, am I basically like taking care of in a physical sense? We assume that there has to be this... Um, you know, sequential process through those layers. We have to do the bottom layer before we can do the next, you know, and that's always mandatory. Like there's a, like this process, you know, that everybody has to go through. And most people that, you know, have really studied Maslow recognize that he never said that. He was just looking at, you know, these kind of areas uh, where we have different needs and, and they're probably going to need to be taken care of before we can go to the next one. But that's not always the case, you know, is that I think that in our world today, even when we are feeling somewhat insecure, and this is a stretch, and this is, I will qualify, this is the perspectives of shamanic medicine and not necessarily aligned with, say, the contemporary perspectives of psychology or whatever, that even when we are scared, when we don't have a job and we don't, you know, we're, we're uncertain of our, say, material resources, we can still say, how can I help? And I see people do this mm. all the time. And I think that this is this call right now, you know, of, of every, every social movement right now, every, you know, the call to saying, how do I love the earth more in an ecological sense? And I think that we, the energies around us and innervating us right now are encouraging us to do that, to, to choose consciously to stop thinking about ourselves so much so yes. you know and think more about the actual collective and that like the i i feel that as a momentum you know a, a sort of backing energy in everything that's happening right now and it's only our egos that are afraid of letting go of thinking about ourselves right we actually are just beautiful creatures you know and maybe this is a, a good place to offer sort of because we were talking about what we wanted to offer in this first episode and talking about beliefs, I think is very important. 
You know, we all, without even recognizing it, we all subconsciously and unconsciously carry a set of beliefs that we inherited from colonial settlers and and pre-colonization and the terrors of the medieval era in, in Europe and stuff. And we we live these and we abide by them and we perpetuate them without even seeing them sometimes, you know. And so I think it's very important for us as a first step as practitioners, as people who want to jump into the void and meet this vortex with as much uh, confidence and centeredness as possible, is to say, what do you believe about everything? <laughs> Not to, you know, offer something small to start off with here, but like, <laughs> what do you believe about human nature? Is human nature, you know, in, in the words of Dawkins, you know, is are, are we greedy and selfish and self-serving and competitive? And, you know, is that is that really what we are? Or is that a product, a byproduct of our culture? You know, are we this way because our culture is sick, right? And my core belief is that we are beautiful creatures and we are loving and we are generous and we are deeply aware of our interconnectivity and our interconnectedness and when we are afraid and wounded and and feeling unsupported yes we become competitive and, and comparison in nature but I don't think that that's our basic nature what would you say right. to that Alison? Um, I think that I'm growing into that more. I think to me, yeah. when I look at that belief system, I can get on board with that for about 99.9% of people I encounter. <laughs> and then totally. there's, totally. there's that 0.1% that I'm like, the best I can give you is you're neutral. You're an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you totally, maybe are totally. neutral by nature. <laughs> totally. Well, and that's, you know, I I think that that's a beautiful thing to be aware of, you know, is is to say, okay, so we want to have this belief and then, you know, something in our minds rallies against it and and that's understandable. You know, I mean, we we need to look at our beliefs and we're not going to immediately hopefully leap into some brand new one because I think then you've just probably been brainwashed, you know. I don't think that's ideal. Like <laughs> Think about it, process it, you know, is is to ask ourselves, what do we believe about human nature? And recognize that the answer to that question, though, defines how our experience is going to be as a human. Because if we have that belief about other people, we have it about ourselves too. And that, you know, we're mm -hmm. either going to be condemning and damning ourselves as somewhat, you know, irredeemable entities as well as everybody else around us, or we're going to be opening some space for compassion and understanding that, you know, the most messed up things we've done in our lives were because we were in pain. And that's not about letting ourselves off the hook and saying, oh, well, then I can just be an asshole and I never have to take responsibility. But it's about letting ourselves be a process, you know, a learning right. curve or growth process, you know, and 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 having compassion, right? That That is the value of the heart is going, whoa, I feel for you. I feel for that person. And I feel for this animal and I feel for the planet and I feel for everything, you know, and, and we are, we're really built for that. So, but I do think that we need to think it through and and look at, you know, sort of cost-benefit analysis of like, well, what do I gain from holding on to this belief? You know, well, we right. get to sometimes write people off and that feels kind of convenient and, and necessary at times, right? But what do I lose? You know, and, and each person I think has to answer that for themselves. And I encourage, you know, people, if, if you are really committed to um, your own initiation, you know, and and initiations are hard. They suck. Like they're they're a horrible 
rather torturous process, you know? Like, you're really welcome, selling it. You're really welcome. selling it. <laughs> I am the shittiest marketer in the entire world. Like, I actually joked with my husband some years ago, you know, I was creating this new website and I was writing the first part of it. And I think I asked him at some point to read it. And he was like, yeah, that sounds like a really bad time. Like, and I was saying like, you know, come work with me. Everything will get shitty. And then it'll get shittier. And then... It'll probably get shittier, you know? And you go deeper and deeper and deeper into this horrible, shitty quagmire of nonsense, you know? And like, yeah, he's like, yeah, you need to hire someone to write things for you. So, yes, I'm not I'm not selling this. Actually, yeah, we're not selling anything here. This is free. You can listen if you want to. You can turn it off, you know? Oh my gosh. But I, I think that, you know, well, it's for transparency here. This is not, it, this is why, you know, it said that only 2% of the human population ever says yes to the call. The call comes all the time. It emerges out of your body. It emerges out of your relationships. It emerges out of nature. It, it's animals crossing your path and plants talking to you and, and the, the elements mm. talking to you and going, wake up, come on, come over here and take this journey. But we don't have to answer, and we don't a lot of the time, you know. And yeah. and this is a time where I think that because there's so much collective energy kind of behind and 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 within this process, that like let's all jump, let's all take the call and and answer and and say yes. Like I I don't want to sleepwalk through my life anymore, and I don't want to. Yeah. just take this society and this civilization and all of its bizarre distorted values as like the only option. It's not, it's totally not, you know, Mm. I'm a huge fan of Charles Eisenstein and and I, I hear myself in my own mind constantly saying a more beautiful world is approaching, you know, and, and as Arundhati Roy, you know, says, she has this quote, I think I quoted it before, but that a, a more beautiful world or this this world is waiting, you know, and, and she is she's arriving and on on quiet moments, in quiet moments I can hear her breathing. And she mm. is beautiful. And she's she's, you know, just got all these amazing possibilities for us as a species. But yeah, we we have to take the call, you know? Yeah. And so if if people are serious about this, look at your beliefs, you know, really look at like what you believe about the world. You know, I mean, is 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 the world, this is a shamanic belief, you know, but is the world imbued with spirit? Is spirit in everyone or is it in some things? You know, it's not in right. spiders, you know, or it's not in Trump or, 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 oh my God, there's so much in Trump, apparently. This is what I've been hearing lately. But um, <laughs> it's, is, is it in everything, you know? And, yeah. or do we divide the world and then we say, okay, well, this person, this being is spirit and this is an abomination, you know? Like, right. and what do we gain from that perspective and what do we lose, you know? And these are really essential core ideas and beliefs that we need to look at. Well, and I think that there is an element where, I mean, I'm still so young on the path, but I feel like I see a division in myself more now where there is a piece of me that it's like, I can look at you and see that there is spirit there. And then there's another piece of me that's like, and I still don't want anything to do with you. Like it's very hard to get totally. past that animal perspective of just like yep. you're awful yep. to be around and I, I mm-hmm. would like to pretend you don't exist. So it's see and, hard and this to, is you know. that I think that is such a good point though to make Alison. I often say to people, you know, like 
we can love everyone, but we don't have to like everyone. And that's yeah. like actually pretty reasonable. Like you're not going to get along with everyone in the world. There are people in the world who just despise me. I'm rather a difficult person sometimes, you know, and so that's understandable. But like, but, and and I don't particularly enjoy being around them either, you know, but do I think that they are spirit? 100%. Are they supposed to be here? Absolutely. Nothing would be the same if they were not here because you can't say that one part of the system is imperfect without saying that the whole system is imperfect. And this is, this is you know, what we have to realize that, like, if we damn something, I mean, I think the Bible says this or something, you know, it will damn us back. And what that means is that it will prevent happiness in our lives forever because we are saying that thing should not be here. That person should not be here. That's this, this experience should not be here. You know, and the minute that we do that, there is no potential for equanimity, presence, happiness, you know, all these things that we really want, which, which are only in this present moment. And if in this present moment, you're saying, yeah, everything would be good, except that if that person was gone, you know, well, then this present moment can't be okay, right? And so we are right. perpetually unhappy. Does that make sense? It does. And I think that that's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes a, even more so when you look at the state of this country now, as we approach the election, where it's like, it's, there are certain things where it's just, it, it seems impossible to come together on certain things because mm-hmm. there's there are these quote sides and mm-hmm. um, it's really hard to have nuanced conversation about it or you know mm-hmm. give yourself space to critically think about things because the way in which things are presented like it really does feel like this huge tug of war is happening and I just don't know totally. how we're gonna come together. Well, and as I mentioned before, though, I, I don't think that those the, the resolution of the polarity can happen without the tension of the opposites eventually resulting in a break, right? And that's, that is bound to happen. Now, as individuals, though, we can choose to either be in that polarized mindset and be going, bad people over here, good people over here, you know, I'm a light worker, you're right. a piece of shit, and like, it's setting <laughs> yes. up this like dichotomy, right, with the world. We can be doing that as individuals. If you want to do that, you're going to be right in the middle of the elastic band snapping, you know, and go right. for it. That is absolutely your choice. I do not think that any type of polarizing thought that separates the world into good and bad or right and wrong or whatever you want to, you know, find as your polar opposites is beneficial for your psyche. And it is certainly not going to contribute in a positive manner to you navigating this initiation. It is, we are not truly... Nothing in the world is polarized except for the human ego. And, you know, an animal doesn't think in terms of like, oh my God, that's a good thing and that's a bad thing. I mean, certainly they they have a basic desire for life preservation, but they're not sitting around going, oh, that shouldn't have happened. Oh shit, it's raining. Like that shouldn't be happening. You know, like (laughs) only we do that. And and that's the source of our greatest anguish. So you want to keep doing that, go for it. And in some ways I... I am grateful for the people in the world who are doing that because they are going to drive this process of transformation even even more intensely, you know, and that's a, a brave and beautiful thing that that you you can do if you want. But for those of people who are listening and saying, I wanna I want new and, and by new I mean to um drop 
a layer of our costume and allow what has always been there to to be presented, to be, you know, unfolding in us or from us, you know, as this like core true aspect of our nature and and to drop what is not true for us, you know, there's these other weird sort of stories about who we are and 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 what humans are like and what our relationship with the world is all about you know these are these are lived out archaic nonsensical you know um, perspectives that I should qualify they made sense at some point you know it it, it mm. made it so that mankind could survive and on the planet and quite honestly you know it's made our lives really fairly easy and pretty amazing and magical you know most of the time is that like we have very easy lives compared to people. 5,000 years ago, you know? True. And yeah. a lot of those beliefs of like, let's dominate this natural system came, you know, they allowed for these lifestyles that we live now. And I'm not calling for, you know, some return to mud huts and, and living with no clothing, you know, but like, I think that we need to simplify our lives a little bit here and come back into a, an alignment with the earth and, and a different set of value systems that are not based in so much fear. Mm -hmm. I feel like you're speaking to something that you talk to me a lot about personally and also just in general this like death process which is mm -hmm. we know what we don't want but we don't know what we do want because we're so focused mm -hmm. on not getting what we don't want all of the time mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so I think that that makes it really hard that it's like okay what what comes next and I think that now a lot of visibility is you know, coming up around how things are faulty. And I do think that's necessary to actually address like totally. what is wrong here. But it's like, how much time will we spend in that as right. opposed to, okay, so now what do we do about it? What do we actually do about it? Right. But, the, you know, I was watching this video, um, taking this like online course with Gabor Mate, and he was talking about, you know, our, our culture as being a product of our values, right? And and I think that, um, like, uh, what's his name? Bio Akomalafe, you know, he has this beautiful quote that you've said before, Allison, you know, from, is it Kenya? I, that, you know, times are urgent, we must slow down. Where does that come from? Do you remember? Yeah, that was him. Yeah, and and I mean, that concept, you know, of like, yes, we're looking at all these systems, we know that all of these things need to change, but... In the initiation process, you know, a lot of it is, again, learning to find stillness, to stop, you know, and go, whoa, wait a second, let me be mature and and sober. Sobriety is a very important topic and, and practice in shamanic medicine that we're not rushing out headlong, you know, drunk on our own sort of sense of superiority sometimes or our sense of, you know, fury at the world and going, ah, this needs to change and I'm going to change it right now. Like that's, we're just kind of going to make a little more chaos happen, right? We right. we need to pause and slow down and say, okay, so what are the values that have been informing the way that I show up in the world? How do I relate to myself? You know, and and we talk uh, in in the Toltec tradition. They call this recapitulation, where you like stop and you you look at like what what's in you, you know, and and I think that. It's a scary thing to do, especially when it's like, oh my God, there's so much happening and we need to move into action, blah, 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 blah. But again, the times are urgent. 
we must slow down, you know, and mm-hmm. stop and say, okay, so what each morning, you know, we we reaffirm our our anchors, our focus, our center, and say, what are my my north stars in a sense, you know, what guides me through this day? And this is the intention of of doing this next 12 weeks is offering to people ways of of creating that conscious center every single day so that we can be the change makers that I think we need to be through this process, right? We're not, mm-hmm. we don't want to go, you know, half cocked out into the world just being like, blah, 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 like change this. And, <laughs> and I, I mean, we, again, we totally can. But I think that if you look at, you know, people doing really beautiful, concise, and very clear work in the world, they are, they are, as you're saying, as you're saying before, Alison, they're not coming at it from this perspective of like, this is the problem and this needs to change. They have a vision, you know, they have an idea of like, whoa, here's where we're, this is, this is where we're going to be inhabiting in a future sense. You know, there's this intentional energy of where we want to go and they're living that right now, you know, and that's our task is, is to say, okay, so how do we want to be different eventually maybe, or, or how do we want to show up in the world and then practice it now? You know, and that mm. we can do. So these next twelve weeks will be kind of like how do we how do we create that in our own lives first? Yes. Am I understanding that right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is you know, I, I feel like I always need to or it, it is a bit of benefit to clarify, you know, the differences between shamanic medicine and and again contemporary psychology or, or psychological perspectives on you know human healing is that shamanic medicine is is very focused on on the self you know and and not in the you know total absence of of say interpersonal dynamics and everything else but but it's 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 this concept of spiritual warriorship, you know, where it's about looking at how you're showing up instead of focusing on how the rest of the world is showing up, you know, and that is, it's a real challenge. And it's something that I offer out into the world with no, um, no expectation that people have to, or will do that, you know, and if you are, and I, I can't remember if we talked about this, but if you are truly in a circumstance where you are experiencing abuse or, you know, like mm-hmm. you're, you're not being taken care of, this is, that's not the perspective for you. You know, we don't, we do not say to someone who's in an abusive relationship, like, oh, this is, this is totally your fault. You know, like you should just like change this. Right. What that person needs to learn is enough self-love that they can extract themselves from those circumstances, of course. But when we have space, and if you're listening and going, okay, I have space in my life, I'm, you know, I feel a basic sense of of general safety, you know, to look inwards and to say, what's mine, you know, and, and how do I take care of this? That's shamanic practice is, is really focusing on, um, on what we're doing, right? Not what everybody else is doing. They're going to do whatever they do. And so that's the challenge of, of, um, this path, right? And by offering these next 12 weeks of, of practices and perspectives, also, I wanted to clarify that, like, at the end of this, um, we're not all going to be shamans, if, if anyone was confused about the whole process. Like, <laughs> this is shamanic practice. Being a shaman and being a shamanic practitioner are very different things. Um, I shouldn't say very different, but they they are different things. And I think people mm-hmm. often misconstrue that, you know, if I'm doing these things, that makes me a shaman. Shaman, to be called that, is is something that is a title-reserved 
um, only for when the community decides that that individual is actually embodying that healing power. It's not something that we self-designate. And so everyone listening, we can all be shamanic practitioners. We can utilize the wisdom and the practices of shamanic medicine to find and stay in our center. But that does not mean that we are going out into the world being this like healer and you know transforming other people's lives. This is, again, about us. It's about our own um, integrity and, and how we're going to show up through this process. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah, it does. And I think that it speaks to a lot of, um, I, I think what is so appealing about healing work and appealing about um, certain entry points into spirituality, which is, is I want to do good in the world. I want to help people mm-hmm. and I'm going to put mm-hmm. all my energy into helping other people to like, quote, fix them, even though if, mm-hmm. even if that's not what we're really, you know, saying, mm-hmm. that's kind of the feeling behind it. And then I think that what I've come to understand about shamanic practice is that it's like, oh, actually I'm, I want my own healing. I don't want to be caught in my suffering. Um, totally. Because we love it. Like we love <laughs> suffering. Love. I love having, I love having abusers. I love having, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like all these mm-hmm. things. I love having everything not be my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say that this is now my fault because I'm whatever, but. <laughs> well, and even that Again, word, you know, the, the, the question of fault becomes obsolete as we move along the path. It's nobody's fault. You know, it's actually nobody's fault. And I know that sounds like a, a, you know, we're going to let people off. But if, if you... If you trace through time, you know, as as I think we've explored before on an individual's lifeline, you're not going to find fault. You're not going to find a a bad person who just one day was like, I'm going to go mess up people, you know, and and Mm -hmm. damage things, right? You're going to find human brokenness. And that's, you know, when we look inside and we actually reconnect with our own human brokenness we can see and value and and have space for the brokenness of other people this does not mean we let people just get away with shit you know though we we actually become intensely boundaried through this process and these practices and and capable ever more so of saying uh no not okay with me like go away right and and but doing that in a way that does not condemn the other person as irredeemable, right? And this is, there's great nuance in this kind of way of being in the world, I think, you know, when we're moving out of the polarity of good and bad, um, we we don't just immediately then become a, a freaking doormat, you know, that everybody walks right. on. We actually, it's the opposite. We will be more certain of our um, our basic goodness and also our messiness, you know, and then we can relate it's it's a very like the frequency of the heart chakra is a very 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 different frequency than that of the third chakra it's so it's it's almost incomparable in terms of like how the human mind even operates you know is that we're no longer operating from that space of what do i get you know what what what's about me and how do i how do i find my sense of self in the world and and it's it's a, a it, it transforms. I mean, I think even the sort of neurological structures of our brains—they just don't—they don't think the same way anymore. So, I think that's the hard part about believing that we are in a benevolent universe is because mm-hmm. we do not. I, I would say most of us do not get raised with the belief that if we don't look out for ourselves, someone else mm-hmm. will be. So, I think that it's mm-hmm. like to to widen the circle of compassion. Um, mm-hmm 
feels scary because it's like, well, who's looking out for me? Mm-hmm. The trees. If I'm are. worried about what I'm giving everyone else. Mm-hmm. And this is why we go to nature, though. Yeah. You know, is that we? If you are again really desiring to be uh, healthy and and you know unifying and, and aligning all the parts of you through this initiatory process. Um, your connection to nature, even if you live in the 27th floor of a skyscraper in, in well, New York City or wherever you are, you know, you can consciously say that the trees are loving you. You know, the, the worms in the dirt are loving you. They are doing this work for you. You know, in, in the shamanic tradition, human beings, we let them be fallible. We let human beings do fucked up things, you know, because mm. we do. We all do. We let people down. We are not perfectly psychologically safe. We are not consistent. We are erratic. And 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 life, too. I mean, the human experience of life also is 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 death and sickness and, and uncertainty and all of these things, right? And so we don't go there to find our our sense of of like connectedness, right? We do not go to um, other human beings to say, "Tell me that I have worth." And I know this seems crazy because we, you know, obviously need the connection with human beings. I'm not saying that we we are you know totally isolated individuals or we should aspire to that, but that if we're really looking for um, that consistent sense of of love, it only comes from our mother. It only comes from the air. The air is always there. It's always there, right? And and that's mm. that's what we have to fall back on is is to say to practice like the trees are making this for me. The trees love you. I mean, as Robin Wall Kimmerer says, the earth loves us. It's it's not it's not ambivalent about humans, and and it certainly doesn't want not want us here. It loves us, and it's trying to tell us all the time how much it loves us. And we just say, no, 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 no. I'd like to sit over here with my self-pity and my suffering and feel like a piece of shit. And, and I don't want to see what I'm being given all the time. And and we need to remember that, you know? And, and this is, again, a core belief that the statement that you had there, Allison, of like, you know, is the universe a benevolent process. If we believe that, our mind is going to be searching for evidence of that. And we will find the trees and the trees and the water and the birds and everything that is saying, yeah, yeah, I love you. You know, I'm here. I, I just want to love you, right? And and if we don't think that, if we think that the universe is a meaningless process or somehow, you know, hates human beings and we're being punished because of some core original sin, you sure as hell going to find evidence for that too. So your right. belief is going to create your reality in that sense, you know, and, and it's up to us. But which one do you want to live in, right? Either one of them is going to be equally true should you subscribe to them, right? Right. It's it's a challenge, though, because we have been taught by this system which loves to uh, suck energy and life force out of us, you know, that we don't belong here, that we're not okay, that, you know, we have to prove that we have worth. And and I'm not saying that this system or this process that we're going through is a mistake. This is exactly what we needed to go through and it, and it is a meaningful process, but it needs to be a process. And this is the time of transformation. This is what we're doing now. And we're, you know, you can either let go of the old world or be dragged. And that's how it's going to happen for the next while. And you know, and and this is if we let go, we're held. We are we are there are 
people and and we will be offering practices and perspectives and nature will hold you and yes it's going to be chaotic and scary and intense and everything else but like this there's a purpose behind this and i think that it's it's a very beautiful one so hey everyone uh this is just ciel i am recording this a few days after allison and i recorded our previous conversation um, I actually haven't even listened to it yet, but uh, just thinking back on kind of where our dialogue went and where it often goes, where, I mean, really, Alice and I could probably sit and talk for days on end and um, perhaps never actually attend to some of the things that we intend to attend to. Um, I realized that for the purposes of of what we're going to be offering both in this episode and for the next 12 weeks, I really wanted to offer some clarity around how to approach uh, what this is all about, how to approach these practices, how to hopefully make these offerings work as as best as possible for you as an individual and allow you to uh, weather the processes that are happening and are going to continue to happen um, in the most aligned and powerful and meaningful way possible. I also realized, I think, and again, I haven't listened to the conversation, so I may have already said this. So in that case, please ignore me. Um, But I think that I made a reference to talking about kind of the idea of apocalypse and and you know so-called end times or, or just you know really the chaos and the intensity of this time and I know that it can sound really intense and very dire and rather terrifying to consider you know a vortex a, an intensification of energy a, you know a process of chaos or this sort of splitting apart of of these polarized realities that we've been existing in And I just wanted to make sure to offer to everyone listening how I understand um, processes of processes of of chaos and and even a process of so-called apocalypse. Um, The root word of apocalypse it, it comes, I believe, it's a Greek word apocalypsis or something similar and it it means literally to unveil to to make clear and there is so much connection between i think that root meaning of the word and and this initiatory process that we are i believe we are going through right now this awakening as a collective and as individuals to really looking at what we've created and what it is in totality and what the repercussions of it are. And there's, there's so much that we are being called to look at from racial injustice to environmental injustice, to just the the core realities of, of modern civilization. And in that, yes, there is decay, there is death, there is certainly going to be chaos, but Really, my intention, especially with these offerings for everyone, is is not to go, holy shit, everything's going to go sideways, it's going to be so bad, like it's the end times and blah, let's all freak out, you know, but to say this is a meaningful process. As I always say to people when I'm working with them, and as I repeat to myself when chaos is happening, um, it, it 
it doesn't come unless we're ready for it. And we are ready for this. We are ready for this mass unveiling, this mass awakening, and the potential of building a totally new uh, world. And I, I chose uh, very intentionally to start these practices with what Allison and I were talking about um, previously, you know, this reflection on our value systems and our beliefs. Because I've had conversations with people historically where they say, you know, um, I'm going to get to that belief eventually. And I'll give you an example. So the belief that uh, people are basically good. You know, they'll say, I'll get to that belief eventually, but right now I'm going to, I'm going to talk about how evil and, and, and nasty and horrible this person is. And I'm going to intend to like, you know, show the world how horrible they are. And I maintain, and you can take this however you like, you can throw it out the window, you know, if it doesn't sit well with you, but our beliefs construct our reality. Our beliefs condition our mind to look for evidence to confirm our belief. And so I don't think that we uh, start with a belief and uh, say the belief that there might be evil people in the world and that somehow we're going to come out on the other side proven wrong. We don't prove our own beliefs wrong. We prove them right. And we will always frame the world to prove our beliefs right. And this is why it is so essential so critical to start with asking ourselves, what are our beliefs? And now this, this process, you know, of us offering a different practice, a different perspective every 12 weeks and somehow, you know, maybe expecting or, or suggesting that you're going to be able to internalize and work with these processes over the, the, the course of a week and be ready for the next one. Please don't um, accept or, or sort of approach it that way. I hope that these processes, these practices are going to be uh, supportive for you in the long haul. They're going to be something you might come back to over and over and over again. I think that especially around belief assessment and, and really looking at um, what the value systems that we may be uh, subconsciously abiding by are, we need to be doing this over a lifetime, continuously looking at ourselves and, and evaluating uh, what, where we're coming from. But, you know, maybe this week, as a practice, to clarify, you know, what I would suggest to really work with and on here is some key questions. And I'm going to offer a few key questions. You add to these what feels right for you. Um, don't work with ones that don't feel right. Um, although I will offer a sort of addendum to that. If it doesn't feel right in, in just that, like, I don't know, it's very hard to even describe what the feeling is, but that it's it's like a little bit challenging, but some part of you knows that maybe it is where you want to go, but you can also feel that resistance. That might be exactly the question that you want to focus on for a little while too. So um, yeah, there's paradox there. So go to the places where you want to, but then sometimes go to the places where you don't want to. So a few questions for you. And I always encourage people to do this through journaling. Conversation is wonderful. You know, I've been blessed and honored to facilitate groups for the last many years, you know, and sitting in conversation and dialogue with many people over these questions, right? And and holding that respectful space for different people's perspectives and maybe using their perspectives to, you know, support or question our own beliefs. This is how we learn, right? But the question of, what is human nature? You know, I recently was uh, watching one of, you know, the many beautiful videos that Gabor Mate has out in the world. And he was talking about this question, you know, of 
if we look at modern civilization right now and how we are functioning, the levels of sickness, chronic disease, dysfunction, um, violence, you name it. You know, if we were some alien dropping down and just watching us, we'd go, holy shit, this is a crazy species. Like, why are they so nuts, you know? And and they're doing these insane things and hurting themselves and hurting their mother, the, the earth, the environment, you know, hurting each other. What is up with these beings, right? And he was talking about, you know, if we take that at face value and look at the way that our civilization is functioning right now, we're going to come up with um, very different approaches of how to heal or, or shift, you know, these, these issues that we are encountering as a collective and as individuals, right? But if we think instead that maybe the way that we're acting right now isn't actually human nature, it is human nature uh, caged and bound and domesticated and abused in by the system itself. This is distorted human nature, right? And I would just encourage you to think about what your core beliefs about human nature are. You know, the second question, which is sort of an, an extension of that, are, are people basically good? Are we? You know, are, are we born good? Is every baby good? You know, and, and I have this conversation with many, if not all of the clients and people that I engage with at some point or another. And it is a question that I feel is essential to not just our, our ability to form functional and, and healthy relationships with other people and the world, but also with ourself. And I think, again, I can't quite recall, but I think I may have uh, suggested this in the conversation with Allison, that if the answer to this question is that sometimes people are bad, we're going to hold that option in our kind of psychological back pocket, mostly for ourselves. And we're going to always be able to somehow tell ourselves that we are a piece of shit and that we did something horrible and that we are irredeemable for that action. And I am not saying that we let ourselves off the hook and we get to just run around and be a total shit to people in the, the world. But the practice and the process of forgiveness is critical to healing and to wholeness and to functioning well as an individual. And, and this question, how we answer it, determines how we're going to frame human behavior and human nature and you know what we do as a as a species so think about that one okay now I'm going to ask kind of a I think I'd call this an asshole question you know and it's a question of so much privilege and let me preface even putting it out into the world you know that I don't mean by any means to disrespect or make people feel um, horrible about this question because of, say, the circumstances that they have been brought up in or the trauma they've experienced that that may really very well be in the way of answering this question um, with any surety, okay? Um, with that kind of preface, you all know, like, what in the hell is she going to talk about? But this question actually comes from Michael Singer in The Untethered Soul. And the question he uh, asks is, do you want to be happy? And the sort of psychological, spiritual reality of the answer to this question is that if the the answer that we have is conditional, which it almost always is, it's, it's yes, I want to be happy, but not if this happens, or not if this person does this, or not if this occurs in the world, right? 
we have this conditional way of saying, well, yes, of course we want to be happy, but only if these conditions are met, right? And I would encourage you to look at this, okay? This is what keeps us away from the present moment where happiness actually may and uh, truly is residing. Um, And it is a way that we cannot meet the world with equanimity. We do not meet the world with equanimity and we cannot ever potentially really be here, right? Because our mind is always either in a future circumstance where those conditions are met or, you know, the, the conditions that we don't want aren't happening or we may be idolizing or idealizing the past, you know, and saying, well, back then I was okay or I was happy, right? We're never actually in this present moment. So this is a tricky question. And please, if you are, you know, in a state where that question is not even available to you because you are experiencing such intense oppression or abuse or whatever, don't answer it. It's not necessary, but keep it somewhere in the back of your mind that at some point when we have accumulated enough, um, what I would call power and power, not power over, but the power to determine our psychological state. And this is determined by you know, how much support, how much nourishment and love and care we are offered sort of in a uh, equation with, you know, um, taking into consideration our basic character and the amount of trauma we've experienced. At some point, this question becomes possible. And if it's possible for you, explore it because it's an important one. Okay. Um, the Another question that I would offer as just a reflection for you is, do I trust the benevolence of this system? Now, to frame this carefully, benevolence does not mean nice. Benevolence does not mean everything's always going to be super awesome and fantastic and easy and sweet. Benevolence means, do I think that there is an intelligence within whatever is occurring in my life or the system as a whole that is meaningful and has some kind of ultimate positive or beneficial sort of intent, okay? So this is a big question, and and this I used to, I can't remember if I've referenced this in previous podcasts, but I used to put up signs all over my house, uh, especially when I had Lyme disease, and the sign said, trust the process, trust the process. And it was a pivotal sort of time and reflection point for me to realize that I had to answer yes to this in order for um, everything to make sense and not make sense in a, again, like, oh, everything's wonderful and it's all perfect, but that I could, I could drop the habitual way that I was existing um, that kept me in resistance to what is. Right. And as we've talked about on, on previous podcasts, when we are in resistance to what is, we are not in the divine feminine. We are not in receptivity. And that is a huge, of huge detriment to our psychological, spiritual, physical well-being. Right? We want to be uh, meeting this present moment as as intensely as fully as we possibly can and so long as we're saying oh the system cannot be trusted this process cannot be trusted um, we're going to be categorizing the world into what is okay and what is not and what part of the process we're okay with and what we're not and 
And that is um, fragmenting, disorienting, and ultimately is not going to allow us to uh, experience life the way that I think most of us want to. So consider it, right? It's, you know, these, these questions of great faith really is what we're talking about, you know, in a spiritual perspective. They can't be proven right or wrong. You know, I can't say for certain that the benevolence of the system exists. You know, this is a traditional shamanic perspective that, um, I mean, in, in the Toltec tradition, you know, that what they call the eagle or the emanations of the eagle are seeking higher levels of entropy, of consciousness, of awareness, and and everything is is constantly seeking greater complexity. And that has meaning. And it's it's what consciousness wants. It wants to know more and experience more. And and it's said that when we die, you know, all of the accumulated consciousness and awareness that we have gathered through our lifetime and in our experiences goes back into the eagle's mouth and becomes part of this great awareness, right? And and that's what the process is trying to do. And to me, I mean, I think that's pretty exciting and, and very meaningful. And it it makes it seem like then I have a purpose here, you know, is to increase my consciousness, increase my awareness. And, and if you look at the evolutionary record, you know, I think that there's a fairly significant body of evidence to suggest that that's what we've been doing over several billions of years is an increase in complexity of consciousness and, and you know, of life. So it's up to you, right? If you want to believe that, I think that there is some benefit in it, but it's up to you. It's spiritual practice is ours. This is not religion. You are not being handed a set of beliefs and say, you know, uh, you know take this and and you must apply it in every area of your life. We are in this beautiful state of um, uh, what I hope will be a, a healthy expression of individualism, you know, where we say, what is true for me? And how do I get to know, you know, my own reality and and question, you know, my own consciousness with these kind of um, investigations, you know? And and I think that we don't, we don't, not to suggest we don't need religion anymore, but I think that our relationship to it, I know that our relationship to it has been shifting. And it's all about you, you know, and in a healthy way of like, what do you believe? And can you recognize that what you believe is actually creating the reality that you exist in? So last question. Um, and this is one that is uh, so, so very important. And I think is often the last one that we maybe can remember um, a sort of felt answer to is, do I belong on this earth um, I think as Robin Wall Kimmer would say, you know, can I know, can I trust that everything loves me, that the trees love me and that the fungus love me and that the earthworms love me? You know, we have this core story embedded in our psyches as modern humans that, you know, nature we are bad for nature and we are destructive and oh, that is certainly true in many ways. But I think that that story creates evidence for that story, right? When we start with the story of we don't belong here, we act like um, people renting a freaking Airbnb that they don't care about and just trash in the place, right? Because they don't feel like they belong, right? And so if we affirm that we belong here, that we are loved, 
then maybe our behavior will completely change. Maybe we will actually act like we belong here and start viewing and engaging with the natural environment around us as an extension of our bodies, as our home, as our mother, and and have a totally different relationship to it. So who knows, you know? I don't know if I've talked about this before, and I can't even remember the the study that was talking about this, but that like when you walk into a forest, that underneath your feet, the mycelial network of the fungus of that forest are sensing that you are there and are communicating to the trees that there's a human in the forest and or a living being, a mammal in the forest. I don't know if they're selective for humans. And it tells the trees, this mycelial consciousness tells the trees that you're there and the trees start emanating these chemicals that make you happy, that make you feel loved, really. I mean, they're, they're actually chemically modulating our, our neurotransmitters and our serotonin and dopamine and stuff to make us be, be, feel at home. Right? We we are loved, you know, and maybe I'm just answering the question for you, but I'm maybe a little bit invested in more people in the world answering this question affirmatively because I think it's such an, I know that it's such an important one, but play with it, you know. Um, we can do pros and cons and analysis of, you know, all the, the yes and no answers to any of these questions, but think deeply on these questions. Know thyself, you know, this is, a critical practice uh, because we are all creating a collective reality that is a, an emanation, a manifestation of uninvestigated and inherited colonial traumatized beliefs. And if we want a new world, it's time to actually lay down some new ones and start living from and perceiving the world from that place. So. I hope that's helpful. Um, I'm so happy to be here doing this with you guys. And I hope that uh, you'll reach out. If you have any questions, I can be found on Instagram uh, at Seattle Grove. And uh, Allison is uh, at I am Allison Strickland. Please reach out to us whenever or send me an email. I think, uh, uh, no, CL at CLGrove.com. So um, big love to everybody. And I hope you're all doing well. We'll see you next week not see you. Uh, You'll hear me next week. Have a good week. The Knowing is an IntelliKey production and was recorded and produced on the traditional unceded territory of the Northern Sequipnik people. Music, editing, and production by Brent Morton at Bell Tower Audio. May our hearts and minds remain open. May we meet this day with equanimity and compassion. And may we remember our belonging to this earth, to each other, and to all that is. (laughs) 